Welcome to Trauma Talk. This program encourages you to do a mental assessment of any trauma you have experienced and help you become proactive in your own personal healing and thereby create a better world for you and your loved ones to live and thrive in. Now, here is the host of Trauma Talk, Ezrina Rose Scott. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Trauma Talk. Here with me today is Melanie Anderson, an American actress, speaker, author, and entrepreneur. She was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and now lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Melanie. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, I am amazing. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for uh, agreeing to speak with us today. Absolutely. One of the intentions of Trauma Talk is to inspire people to look at their life and uh, do a mental assessment of any distressful or traumatic incidents they may have experienced in order to resolve them and feel better, function better, and really just start living the life they truly desire. And from what I know of you, Melanie, you went through a series of challenges, and that is when you really looked at your life and you chose something different. Tell us a little bit about about the adversity you've been through. Okay, um, I'll start. Um, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my parents were married, but then they divorced. So I kind of grew up um, just in a single parent home with my mom. And, you know, money was little to no, we had little to no money. Um, but back then, I didn't really realized that we didn't have anything because, you know, from a child's perspective, you know, we had a roof over our head and we had clothes and we had food. But looking back, I can um, I can definitely see how my mom struggled, you know, to raise her children and all of that. And to fast forward from there, um, I became pregnant at 15. Mm. And um, to say that was a that was definitely a challenge. Um, my son was born shortly after I turned 16 years old, and I then found myself, teenage mom, trying to raise my son on my own without, you know, help from his father. And um, that was really hard. That was really yeah. hard. By the time I graduated from high school at 17, he was about 11 months old. So I literally graduated high school with a baby on my hip. Wow. Yeah. And uh, there was no thoughts of college, to be honest, at that time, because I'm a single parent. I have a child to take care of. And, you know, at that time, my father had reentered my life as well. And so I had help financially from both of my parents with my son, but he was my responsibility. So I, you know, made sure I went out and I got a job and I kept a job and that became my routine. And then I got pregnant again at 19 and had a daughter. And um, I did have help from her father, but, you know, it's. It's still hard, you know, because I am 19 years old to me, still a teenager, still don't know what I'm doing. And now I'm raising two kids. It's almost like you're a kid yourself, an older kid raising kids. Yes, like you haven't I, even had a chance to grow up. I know. I feel like my childhood was gone, of course, you know, at 15. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward, I started, you know, wanting to get out of like the warehouse factory type jobs and I wanted to get something more in an office setting. And so I did get that type of job. And eventually, you know, I got married at 25. I had another child and we had some things going on at work and they were doing some changes. Mm 
And um, there was talks about, well, if you go back to school, there would be like a tuition reimbursement. And I felt like, okay, well, now is the time for me to try to go back. And there was um, another position up. And I was like, okay, I have the experience, but I don't have the piece of paper that says, you know, I'm college educated. And so it was like a catch 22. So it's like, okay, let me go back and enroll in school. I had a conversation with my husband at this time. Now I have three children and my daughter wasn't even one at this time. And so I had three children. Husband said he's supportive. Yes, go do it. I enroll and I kid you not. He walked out on me the first semester of school. Wow. And for what reason? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. He, mm. you know. Yeah, he just he just walked out. I'm, I I wasn't supposed to catch him walking out. I came home early. Wow. Okay, so you were a full-time student, mm-hmm. a full-time employee working. Yeah. And yes. your husband left you with three kids. Yes. Yeah, I'd say that's a, a few challenges there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so after that, um, re- reality hit me dead smack in the face. Um, shortly after he left, of course, I, you know, I'm going through the divorce process and then my son isn't handling that so well. And mm-hmm. so he started acting out, um, running away from home, um, skipping school, just, you know, being delinquent, defiant, all those things. And then he was in and out of detention centers. Mind you, I'm still in school. Wow. So I'm still having to balance going to school and trying to figure out where my son is. Right. Did you feel defeated in any way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because honestly, I kid you not, the day that I actually had a um, on-site class, that was the day he ran away. Wow. But I actually had to physically drive to the school. It wasn't like an online course at this point, you know. So that was challenging and I couldn't miss too many days. I was in this accelerated degree program, so I couldn't miss too many days. And my mom, she's always worked two jobs. So she quit her second job, came over to my home to help watch my children while I, you know, trying to go to school as if my house is in order and it wasn't. Right. So you, you know, I, I would think you were quite stressed out at this point, hey? Oh, yeah. I was stressed to the max and I thought, okay, can't get any worse than this. And? And then it did. Yeah. 2011, I was diagnosed with lupus. And tell the audience a little bit about lupus. It's an autoimmune disorder Mm -hmm. um, whereby the immune system attacks your body. Do Do you know much more about lupus? Yeah, it attacks your body, your tissues and your organs, which causes an inflammation. Mm-hmm. And when that inflammation occurs, it can affect several different areas. Like for me, um, and different patients have different symptoms and not all of us have the two, you know, symptoms are alike. But mm-hmm. I know for me, I suffer from at that time, um, migraines, extreme fatigue, um, joint pain, swelling in my legs and my feet. Um, I had what they call a butterfly rash, which I didn't know that that's what that was. Um, it honestly looks like a ringworm. So I didn't know that it was a, called a butterfly rash. Mm. And it, they're just everywhere. So the more you're stressed out, the more it pops up. And it's very you know, noticeable to anyone that's just looking at you. Right. So the increase in stress increases the inflammation inside the body, which increases the flared up symptoms. 
Yeah. So, and then these symptoms themselves contributed to even more challenges because how do you get up in the morning? How do you get through your day to, to complete the goals that you've set out and raise three children on your own? So t- tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that was hard. Um, yeah, I was, I went through a depression the first three months. It was really, I was at a point where it was hard to say the word lupus out of my mouth. I didn't want to say it. And if I said it, I felt like it made it real. And so um, I, I kept it to myself for a while. I didn't want to tell anyone at that time in Memphis, the rheumatologist, um, they were kind of, they were booked. So I couldn't get an appointment for three months. And so I wanted to educate myself as much as I could, because I felt once I tell my friends and family that I have lupus, then they're probably going to have questions, right? But how do I answer the questions when I don't know what it is? And I went on Google. Don't know why I did that, because I became overwhelmed with all of the information out there. Yeah. Um, It was hard. Getting out of bed every day was hard and is still hard most days, but not like it used to be. Because it seems like... um, I'm in more inflammation early morning. Like my joints sometimes feel like they're on fire. Like there's just so much pain getting out of the bed is a challenge. And so it was just easier for me to be depressed, to be honest. And and how does one reduce the inflammation in the body from an autoimmune disorder? My understanding is to reduce the stress and to reduce the stressors in the environment and to cut back on the things that we have to do. So we really take control of, of how many tasks we have to do in a day. Um, what? H- how did you bring down the inflammation? Um, that was hard for me because my stress was inside my home, which was trying to help save my son. And I know people would say that all the time. Oh, you have to reduce your stress. You have to do this. Yeah, but how do I do that? This is my son and he's a minor. You know, um, it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Um, The more I tried to help him, the sicker I became. Mm, Okay. Yeah. And and you said if you if you said you had lupus, lupus, that would mean you made it real. If you, how did you come to terms with it then? Like at first, when you heard the diagnosis, what was that like? Um. It was really hard. Um, When the doctor came in the room to tell me, I mean, I was literally on my cell phone. This is yet another doctor's appointment. I've been, I think at this point, three times. And I've had a couple of biopsies, but this time they did a biopsy and blood work. So I was waiting on test results from both of those. And so when she came in, I just thought it would be nothing. Um, I'm on my cell phone playing a game and she walked in and just said it like it was nothing. Oh, your test reveals that, you know, you tested positive for lupus, you know, from the biopsy and the blood work. And, you know, she was very cold. Um, I was devastated because in my mind, I literally said to her, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you say? I have lupus. I said, you mean the lupus that I can die from? Because my aunt passed away from complications of lupus. And... She didn't, you know, agree or disagree. She just let me know again that I have lupus. I mean, I was 
so distraught that she had to walk out and give me a minute. Okay. So that, without just hearing the diagnosis itself was traumatic for you. It was very traumatic. Yeah. Cause I can remember seeing my aunt go through dialysis and all of that, but I didn't know she had lupus. Not at that time. I was young. You know, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that she had lupus and yeah, that, that was hard. I honestly don't even remember how I got home, but I know I drove myself home, but I don't remember the drive home. And like I said, I went through a depression for several months. And at one point I just got in my closet and I laid in my closet and I screamed and I cried and I begged God to take this disease away from me. I didn't want it. And when I finally stopped crying, I could just hear this still small voice that said, my grace is sufficient. Get up and go. Get up and go. What does that mean to you? For me, that Mm -hmm. meant that I will give you the grace you need to endure this. Get up, get yourself together because you still have a life to live. Wow. I didn't feel like I had a life to live because I felt like lupus was a death sentence for me. And I didn't know how to tell my children that I have lupus and I might die. I can still hear the emotion that you have. And you've you've known this for how many years, Melanie? Seven. Seven years, yeah. So when you... When you came to terms with the fact that you had lupus and you confronted the reality of that, what shifted for you? My mindset. Tell us I about that. became intentional about the information I was feeding myself. Um, I knew that I was needing to be encouraged. So I found out and I learned how to encourage myself, whether that be listening to certain gospel songs Um, Whether that be, you know, finding these inspirational quotes, just anything positive is what I was pouring into my mind. I no longer was looking up all of the symptoms and challenges of lupus. I now needed to feed my mind something else. And eventually it clicked. I heard Steve Harvey say on the radio one day, if you could do one thing and you knew that you wouldn't fail, what would it be? And Instantly, my mind went to acting, mm-hmm. something I loved to do as a child. Um, of course, I did give my dreams up because I was a teen mom. And then I was reintroduced to it again. So despite the adversity, despite the challenges, despite the stress and the trauma of a, a serious diagnosis, you're saying that you changed your mindset and that was the beginning of some uh, a new chapter for you. Absolutely. I didn't know what all was going to come with that. And I didn't know I would be where I am today. But I knew I couldn't stay where I was. So in the beginning, you were just trying to educate yourself about the lupus. And that sort of um, kept you in the negative space of it? Yes. It was so much information. It was overwhelming. Yeah, there is a lot of information. And I've actually put a summary about autoimmune disorders on my website blog uh, on ezrina.ca if anybody wants to to check that out. Because autoimmune um, disorders, they can be very complicated. 
And in fact, Dr. Amy Myers wrote a book called The Autoimmune Solution, and it really is an excellent book if anybody's looking for a resource on that. Um, what we're going to do, Melanie, is we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back, and I, wanna, I want you to tell us more about how you changed your thinking pattern that really changed your life. Okay. We'll, we'll be back in a few moments. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Visit Ezrina.ca for information about counseling and body healing services. Ezrina is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She has 10 years of counseling experience. She will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops. You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Ezrina.ca. Again, that's Ezrina.ca. Ezrina Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year, and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit Ezrina.ca or call 250-212-5596 for more information. Ezrina is an Access Consciousness Practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Ezrina's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit Ezrina.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at Ezrina.ca. Now, let's return to Trauma Talk. So, Melanie, uh, you ended up having to tell your children, obviously. How did that conversation go? Um, Well, at first in my mind, I was thinking that, okay, I have to make sure I'm strong enough before the words come out of my mouth so that I'm not crying and they can see, oh, well, maybe it's not so bad. But in my mind, I was still thinking, oh, I still don't know how to tell them that I'm going to die. So as I started to empower myself and change my thought pattern, I didn't have to tell them that I'm afraid I'm going to die because I had already decided that I was going to live. So what made you think that it was a death sentence? That it was? Yeah, in the beginning. Like, you sound like you were convinced it was a a death sentence. Because I saw it in my own family. Right. I think you said you had two members that had 
died, didn't you? Or two members that had lupus? Two told yes, two family members that had lupus. But at the time when I was diagnosed, only my aunt had passed away. It wasn't until just a few years ago I have a cousin named Melanie that passed away. Oh, right. Okay. So going from that thought, that belief that you were going to die to choosing to live, what was the switch there for you? How how did you come to that? Because I want the audience to hear that there's possibility despite uh, a disease and disorder that can be debilitating. Uh, How did you switch that to, to really live your life? Well, honestly, it was the lupus, you know, it scared life into me because I wasn't living. I was just existing. But now I have this dream that I have an opportunity to pursue. And so I put all my eggs in one basket. You know, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to do the acting, it consumed so much of my time, the research driving from Memphis to Atlanta every other weekend just to sit in an acting class, you know, just to take up acting classes, just to network and build relationships with other actors. Um, That consumed so much of my time that I didn't have time to have these negative thoughts in my mind about lupus. Okay, so you had spent so much time researching it that it really was weighing you down. And then Mm -hmm. you decided not to research and not think about it. You changed your thinking pattern, intentional information that you fed yourself. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that is the power of positive thinking. Yes. Yes, okay. it is. And then you encourage yourself through uh, music and quotations. And what, what else did you do? Um, lots of prayer, lots of uh, spiritual fasting, um, just to get myself, you know, where I needed to be. And it felt like I needed to be centered again. I felt like... Um, I needed to have more of a personal relationship with God. And so that's what I did. But in order to do that, I had to put myself first, um, something that I didn't always do. I used to be a people's person. I used to be a yes person. I was the person that was always there. If someone called and needed me, I was always there. But that started to conflict with my dreams and my goals. So and each so, time, oh, sorry, Melanie. So each time you said yes, to someone else, were you actually saying no to you? I was, but I didn't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Not in, not in the beginning. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And then switching over to saying yes to you. How did that change your world? Saying yes to me cost me some friends and family. I lost some relationships because I said yes to myself and because I put myself first. And were those relationships healthy to begin with? Well, I thought they were. But, you know, I realized when people have their own agenda. Yeah. Then and it doesn't it conflicts with what you have said. You know, people will put you in this box and they are supportive. And I believe in you and I believe in your dreams. But as soon as you outgrow their expectations that they put on your life, then, oh, you're not supportive or, you know, you don't do this and you used to do this and you used to do that. Well, I did used to do those things, but I'm a different person now. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, in my counseling practice, when I work with clients like this, what I've called it is an 80-20 relationship. Mm. And when when there's somebody putting in 80% into a relationship, they're actually aligned with people that are taking 80%, mm. which means means they're only given 20%. Yeah. 
And when you when you're in a relationship for a while with that dynamic, when mm-hmm. you pull back and start investing eighty percent in you, mm-hmm. the people that were only putting in twenty percent, they're like, "Hey, what's going on? You've changed. I don't like the way you are now. You're not meeting my needs. You're not meeting my expectations. I don't like this." Mm-hmm. But it isn't healthy to begin with. The eighty twenty. Would you Would you agree with that? Was it how healthy I- was it for you? It was not healthy for me at all. Of course, yeah. it was beneficial to those around me. And there were some people that made the adjustment with me. They they could see where I was going with it. You know, the thing about me is, you know, I always say, you know, I plan. I don't post everything. Some people post their every move. I don't do that. You know, when you see me post something, oh, it's already come to pass. I've already done it. I don't need your permission. I don't need your validation. I don't need your approval. But that's where I am now. I wasn't always that person. I was the person that needed to be validated. But I'm not that girl anymore. I validate myself. Right. And how did you get that? So the audience can hear that, you know, we don't actually need other people's permission, approval, uh, validation. And this was a big change for you. And yes, we do lose relationships sometimes. But the 80-20, the 80 percenter is over-functioning and it's not healthy. So if we lose people in our, in our world that are unhealthy for us, is that not a good thing? It, I mean, it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't yes, feel it good. good. It hurts. It hurts really bad, you know, when it happens. But um, I'm, it's, it's almost like I'm constantly losing people over the years. And I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. And it's okay. You know, it, it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be ugly. Yep, you can just right. part ways in peace. Yep. And and it's just, it's about becoming who you truly be. Let's talk about that. How how did you get through the adversity and, and living your dreams, like like choosing what you're choosing? Talk about the shift that you made. You've already mentioned a few things here. Um, first, my circle changed. My inner circle changed. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have this joke that I say with my friends that I have left. Um, I tell them that my inner circle is the size of a mustard seed. If you Google the mustard seed, you will see <laughs> how small a mustard seed is. But that is the size of my inner circle right now. And you know what? I'm totally fine with it. There is no drama, there is no negativity, there is just women supporting other women. And do people have to earn their way into your mustard seed inner circle? (laughs) Well, I don't want to say they have to earn their way, but I'm an observer. So when people come into my life, yes, I have to observe what type of person you are if I don't know you. So that takes just some getting used to. That's just building a relationship, you know. That's just what we do. But then you learn to trust people and you figure out what their intentions are, if they have any motives and all those type of things. But I think those kind of things will come up and reveal itself as time passes. Oh, yes. People will show us who they are. Yes. You just have to to keep one eye open. Yeah. You have to be watching. You have to be aware. And and like you said, use the power of observation and... Mm -hmm. And get to know what people's intentions and motives are. And they're not necessarily bad. They're just, Mm-mm. they may they may not fit with what right. our intentions they are. Just they just don't align with what yeah. I have and where I'm going. That's yeah, fine. and that's perfectly fine. And we get to choose 
uh, how close people come into our inner circle. And I work with a lot of people who sometimes believe that they have to let everybody in their inner circle because they're they're supposed to be nice. Mm. And I, I work with clients and I say, well, you get to actually choose who's in the closest circle. And you can have, you know, several dimensions of circles. And some people are out in the fifth um part of the circle and some are really close to you and you actually get to choose that and continue to choose that we can actually change how oh, close yeah. people are to us and you probably went through that hey absolutely and I wanted to touch on the shift that I made um, right before I decided to relocate to Atlanta um, like I said I was in college this was in 2012 once I obtained my college degree yes I did finish school in spite of all of the challenges that I faced, I did receive my college, my college degree. Fantastic. And at the end of the year, I moved to Atlanta. Um, my god sister was living here, and I called her and told her about these dreams that I have, you know, and my aspirations of being an actress. And she was like, well, come on. You know, I'm here. You, you know, you can come stay with me until you get on your feet and all that kind of stuff. So she was very supportive, um, you know, in that manner. And I was able to come out here, and I just, you know— I've been, like they say, hustling, been grinding, just been, you know, building a acting resume, just like you would need with a, you know, a work resume, a business resume. You have to build an actor's resume as well. And I got an agent in 2015. Um, I'm just very grateful um, for how things are turning in my life, because I know that, you know, I could have been the, oh, well, it's me and have a pity party, but that's just not who I am. I'm, I'm, I think I'm just built different. You know, I'm my grandmother's daughter. My grandmother's name is Hazel Leek Anderson, and she was an extraordinary woman, and she left such an amazing legacy for us. And I watched her go through so many different things. And if she could survive everything that she survived, then who am I? You know, I'm an extension of her. Her blood runs in my veins. So I can't lay down and die, you know, and I have these children watching me and I want to be an example for my children and an inspiration for others. But, you know, it starts in the home. So how can I inspire other people and motivate other people when I can't even do it at home? So you first had to learn to do it for yourself and yes. then share it with others. And that that's part of who you've become, right, is that inspiration to others and, and showing people that you're just going to go after your dreams and you're just going to make it happen despite what happened. And what I'm hearing through this is it's the way you perceived the experiences and how, how you, you thought of them um, and you didn't let them beat you down. Yeah, and it's just, um, again, I'm intentional about the way I think about things, you know, okay, so at first lupus is a death sentence. No, lupus is a life sentence. It gave me life, not death. That's how I do with information that I receive. I try to find the good in it somehow, because regardless, it's going with me whether I want it to or not. And so it's been my life sentence. It gave me life. It gave me this journey that I have. Um, my children are inspired by the things that they've seen me overcome. I'm a very transparent person, even with them. You know, life is not rainbows and butterflies. So they've seen the good and the bad, and it inspired them to start their own business. So I have an 18-year-old daughter. They just graduated from high school. She's getting ready to go off to Clark Atlanta College, and she already has a business. And I have an 11-year-old that's an actress as well, and she has a business. 
So the diagnosis of lupus really was the pinnacle point in your life where you decided to take control and choose how you want to live your life. Yes. Because if before you weren't the actually living. Yes. Uh, if it wasn't for lupus, I think I would still be in Memphis, still working that same job, nothing against the job. You know, I loved my job. But I just had this desire in me to do something different. I didn't know how to go about it. And then this happened. And while you're living your dreams, has the lupus, um, has the inflammation decreased at all? Have the symptoms lessened because you're now living your life? Yeah, I would definitely say the flares are few, far, and in between. Okay. Um, Mainly because I changed my diet. You know, so I'm like on this journey to eating healthy. I'm, I'm not eating any dairy, pork nothing with sugar in it, all of those kind of things. And I noticed that as I was subtracting those things from my diet, the flares were decreasing. So do you think lupus reflects people's thoughts and emotions? So let me reword that. A particular thinking pattern or an emotional pattern or a behavioral pattern consistent throughout years, do you think that pattern shows up as disease or disorder? I think it, I think there's a possibility that it can, yes. Okay. And then because it showed up in your world, you are now able to look at the way you are thinking, feeling, and behaving in your world and change things. Yes. And, and let me say this, it's ironic when it showed up because my house was out of order. I had mm. so many different stressors in my life going on, I feel like, at the same time. And it was suffocating me. And then I'm diagnosed with lupus. Yeah. You know, they say sh- stress leads to it or it's one of the causes of it. And I believe that. So now I'm at a point. And now that doesn't mean I never get stressed. But I don't get stressed like I used to. Now I handle it better. And you probably intentionally remove the stressors from the environment so that you don't develop the drastic symptoms anymore. That's partly what you mean by intentional, right? You're really creating the environment that you exist in, that you live in. Yes, yes, absolutely. So out of order and now into order? (laughs) Yeah, that's me. With a little bit of chaos now and then, just to shake things up or what? Oh, yeah, just a little bit here and there. Okay. (laughs) So you're saying there's still challenges in life, but that doesn't actually deter you from, from reaching your dreams. Oh, there's a lot of challenges that I still have to overcome. But, you know, that's just life. And no yeah. one is exempt for, from life challenges. It's just how you handle it. And I, I'm at a point where I handle my life challenges a little different. And how, how different? Um, prayer. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Prayer and counseling helps, you know. Uh, so you've been to counseling? Oh, yeah. You know, I just spoke with this young girl yesterday, and she said, oh, my gosh, she goes, you're a counselor. I love counseling. Mm-hmm. And my eyes popped wide open and I'm like, pardon me? I don't usually hear that. 
because some people have this, you know, there's a stigma on counseling for some people. And to hear a young girl say, man, counseling just got me through so much and it helped me have a different perspective and make different choices. And I just love counseling. Wow, that's fantastic. And I was, I was actually uh, surprised that someone was so enthusiastic about counseling. However, mm-hmm. it, re- it really is beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. It's therapeutic. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a short break, Melanie, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. As Rena Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year, and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit Ezrena.ca or call 250-212-5596 for more information. Ezrena is an Access Consciousness Practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Ezrena's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit Ezrena.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596. Visit Ezrena.ca for information about counseling and body healing services. Ezrena is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She has 10 years of counseling experience. She will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops. You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Azrena.ca. Again, that's Azrena.ca. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at Ezrina.ca. Now, let's return to Trauma Talk. So the other day, I was talking with uh, Kirsten Vinge, uh, the physiotherapist that I interviewed some episodes ago. And she said to me, she said, Ezrina, the lady that, one of her new patients, she said that she had been listening to my radio show. Mm-hmm. And she heard the episode where I interviewed Kirsten and the lady said, I have to go see that woman. And she has chosen change. And that's what this show is about, is getting people to look at what they have not been willing to look at in mm-hmm. order to resolve it and change something and to live their life differently. 
And for you, Melanie, that's what you've done, right? So what can you share with our audience to inspire them to go after what they want and to create the change that is necessary to get what they desire? I would say that you only have one life. You need to live it. You know, you can't live it for anyone else. You can't try to please anyone else. And, you know, either you're going to chase your dreams or you're going to work for someone that is. And so I chose to chase my dreams. And so, like I said, I only set out to be an actress. That's the funny thing about this. But being on the journey of becoming an actor, I um, actually met someone who is started out as a mentor but now she's a friend and her name is Kim Coles um, actress and comedian Kim Coles and she was doing um, this class for speakers and sharing your story and we had a conversation and at that time I was you know still trying to wrap my, my mind around you know the different things that I was dealing with with my son and you know and she said you have an amazing story I think you should share it it may help someone that's going through the same thing and I said yeah but I'm not on the other side of it and she said Melanie sometimes you're five minutes ahead of it and I was like wow (laughs) wow (laughs) so I took her um I took her course that's great and um, she helped me structure my story and from there, um, I became a speaker, speaker, and I have a speaker's agent, which you know I'm very blessed and fortunate to have. And then also, she was working on another project, and it was a book collaboration project where she was looking for 22 um, women to share their stories of things that they, you know, real stories that you've gone through, but how you were able to overcome it. And so, I was invited to be a co-author of the book called um, "Open Your Gifts" and gifts is an acronym, and it stands for gratitude, intention, forgiveness, triumph, and self-love. And I decided to share my journey with lupus because, again, it was the thing that lit a fire under me that made me get up out of that closet and get my life in order so So that I could pursue my dreams. So without lupus, where do you think you would be today? I'll be at home in Memphis. (laughs) <laughs> living the way you were living I just, yeah you know just the day to day same old so it, same old it, it's so interesting that a diagnosis of an autoimmune disorder you're grateful for it because that that's what inspired you to, to create the change and yet other people some people would give up and yeah. they say, you know, it's incurable or you're going to be on medication for life or, or what have you. It's just such a different process for you because you just look at it and say, hey, this is what it took for me to grab life and live it. Yeah, I think it makes me sound a little crazy. But you know what? That's okay. You know, I have what, what I call crazy faith. You know, I just don't process things the way other people do. Well, if you call it crazy, I call it brilliantly crazy then. Like, I mean, it's fabulous because you just you just used it to move forward. Yeah, I really and, did. And really yeah, did. and what will it take for more people to choose this? You have to change your mindset. Nothing happens until you change your mindset. It's no different than people going on a diet and then they lose the weight, but they don't keep the weight off because you haven't worked on the transformation of the mind. Yeah, you haven't really changed the foundation. Yeah. And so for me, again, that's what lupus did for me. I was forced to 
look at it differently. And I say that lupus made me bold, fearless, and courageous because I wasn't those things at first. But I feel like if I could deal with the daily struggles and challenges of lupus, there is nothing that I cannot overcome. I don't care what it is. No, every day is not a good day, but I don't care. I have lupus and I will get through whatever else is going on because nothing else is bigger than lupus, in my opinion. Nothing else that I go through is bigger than lupus. And you still have life. And I still have life. So rather than going into the victimhood of all of this, you're actually in the empowerment. Yes, because what I try to do is instill in people that if I can do all of what I'm doing, being an actress, speaker, author, entrepreneur, because I opened a business in 2016, it's called Better Billing Consultants, and it's an independent medical billing uh, company. And what I do is help providers increase their revenue. If I can do all of this while being a single parent, raising children and, you know, overseeing my children's business. And I have lupus, by the way. What is your excuse? You have no excuse. Get get yourself together because there is no excuse. I don't make excuses. Why should you? Right. So what would you say to someone who was making excuses if they didn't hear that statement? Cut it out. <laughs> Cut it out. Listen, I'm not the person, I'm not the friend that you call and you do the pity party and you do the woe it's me. I'm just not that person. Because you know what my response is? I have lupus. And what what what's the problem again? Oh, okay, because I have lupus. And what's the problem again? <laughs> yeah, because whatever you got going on is not worse than lupus. I can guarantee it. So tell us, uh, like, okay, you told us a little bit about what that is, like joint pain, and and is it is it that debil- debilitating? At times, yes, it is. You know, sometimes I have challenges walking, um, even with the flares, the butterfly rashes, they're like everywhere, like on my hands. So it's hard to even hold a pencil because it feels like it's gonna, you know, it feels like it's cutting the sore on my hand or they're like all over my eyes and my nose and mouth. It's just, you know, it's awful to deal with when you're in a flare. That's why I try to keep my stress down as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hey, my circle has decreased. So, Hey, that's a blessing. (laughs) You know, there's an amazing book out there written by Gabor Mate. uh, When the body says no, Mm. And in there, he describes a bunch of diseases and disorders and how they show up. And he actually, for lack of a better word, matches them to personality types. Uh, Wow. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting book. So a particular ALS parent or ALS patient would display these certain personality traits or symptoms. And then someone with cancer would display these particular traits and lupus and so forth. It was a really good book. So I encourage people to, to read that book. Um, yeah, what else would you like to share with our audience, Melanie? I am currently getting my master's degree. I'm four classes away, so I'm excited about that. Wow, so yet another achievement despite having lupus. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care about lupus anymore. I'm just going to live my life. 
and it can come along for the ride if it wants to. But you know what? Lupus helps balance my crazy schedule out because there's times when I will be overwhelmed and I will have, you know, just have a lot on my plate Mm -hmm. and I'm just in go, 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 go mood. But lupus is like, hey, 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 no, sit down. You know, now you need to sit down. It's too much. So it helps kind of balance me out because I have to listen to my body. And I didn't realize that in the beginning. Yes, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it would get really, really bad, those flares. But now I know how to listen to my body. I know at the onset of it when it's trying to peek its little head through. I know now. So now I'm like, okay, let me do this one little thing and then I'm I'm done. So now I I listen. I think that's a critical piece of uh, anyone's healing journey is our body has tremendous information and our bodies are always communicating to us the problem is is we are not listening and i say to my clients i say if you don't start listening to your body or respecting what your body requires such as more rest or better Mm -hmm. nutrition then what the body does is it starts screaming at us through pain disease disorder malfunction what have you and People seem to get that. They're like, oh, so if I keep ignoring my body, my body's going to get louder and create something pretty serious if I don't take it seriously in the in the first place. Yeah, and we really have to do better with taking care of ourselves because sometimes it's women and mothers and wives or whatever titles that we wear. We, you know, we end up putting ourselves last when we should really be putting ourselves first take care of us and then we can take care of everybody else because what's what end up happening is you end up burning the candle at both ends of the stick and that's not good yeah because if you get a disease and disorder and you can't take care of your kids and you're not that good in the end anyway so why not take care mm-hmm. of yourself first and foremost and and just feel better and live better Right, because I know for me, and I can't speak for anyone else, but my body has actually went into shutdown mode, and I, I thought I was about to die. I don't know what death feels like, but I felt it them couple of times that it happened, and I said, okay, I, I've got to have a balance somewhere, you know. So, what does the shutdown look like or feel like? And actually, before you answer that, what was your body saying to you before lupus showed up? Like what, what, what signs? I don't but know you, what that it was saying because I wasn't, I wasn't listening. Right, okay. I was not listening. I had severe migraines, which is also another symptom of lupus. But, you know, it's just a migraine. I'm stressed. You know, no big deal. It's just a migraine. But when my body shut down, I, I, I'm telling you, I could b- barely move out of the bed. So I shut down I, literally. You didn't want to literally. No, not that I didn't. I wanted to, but I could not move. I couldn't move. The pain was unreal. I all I could do was cry and and it hurt to cry. Like I didn't even want to cry because it hurt so bad. So was that your body crying or screaming at you? Don't push me so far. (laughs) If it wasn't, it sure was me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was. um, Yeah, I said I would never do that again. So you're saying when lupus pops up in your day, that's what you're listening to. It's like, oh, hello, lupus. Yes. Okay. I've got to take a step back, balance out a few things, get some more rest. It's Mm -hmm. a reminder for you to treat you and your body better. 
Yes. And honestly, I can look at my schedule for the week and I can say, uh, yeah, some of this is not going to work. I can't do too many things back to back without a break in between. So I already know it before the symptom comes. And that's one of the things I understand about autoimmune disorders is that we're jam packing our days and it's too much. And then this disorder can uh, show up and say, hey, no, you got to create a little bit more space in your world. Uh, balance out some nutrition, exercise, mm-hmm. rest, positive thinking, healthy people in your world, really examine your life and your living. So what a, what a reminder, because if you don't listen, it's going to keep you in bed. Oh, yeah. And shut you down. Okay, interesting. So I love the... I love the sentence that you had said, you gotta, you got to put yourself first. Um, you got to choose positive thinking. Um, but most of all, what I really like what you said is that question, if you could choose anything and you wouldn't fail, what would you choose? And I really pose that question to everyone in the audience. So again, if you could choose anything in the universe, and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you choose? What would you create? And Melanie, you've created a lot. And mm-hmm. I imagine that there's even more possibilities out there. Is there anything else you're striving for beyond what you've created? I am working on something. Um, it's still in the early stages, and I'm super duper excited about it. I can't I can't share it at this moment, but it's really big. It's really big. Oh, fantastic. And hey, so what are some of the movies that you've played in? Um, I've been in some independent films, but also if anyone watches um, cable channel TV one, Fatal Attraction, Mm -hmm. the crime reenactment show, I've been on that as well. Fatal Attraction and crime reenactment? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I've done some commercials from Memphis, Nashville, and all those things. But those are like local commercials, so it only air in Nashville or it airs in Memphis. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just to sum up our episode today, Melanie, what are some inspiring words that you can share with the audience to encourage them to jump on the, the healing journey and start living their life? I would say start with self-love. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, there was a time when I didn't love myself. Mm. So we have to do the work. It's not going to happen overnight. Put yourself first. Take care of yourself in order to take care of everyone else. Encourage yourself. Don't look for anyone else to do it. Don't look for anyone else to believe in your dreams if you don't. Right. Do the validation. Do the work. Yes. Get past needing someone's validation. No one will validate you the way that you will. No one will believe in you the way that you would believe in you. And nobody knows you the way you know you. So yes. you're, you're the one that knows how to create your life and living. And what's it going to take, folks? Right. Okay. So thank you, Melanie. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your encouragement with our audience. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Trauma Talk. Thank you for listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. Be sure to tune in to the program again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, make this week your best.